Welcome to the FDF podcast, passionate about food and drink. My name is Helen Munsey. I'm the Chief Scientific Officer at the Food and Drink Federation. And I'm going to be talking today with Sky Elderman's, our sustainability executive, who specialises on plastics and packaging. This is a really uh, live area and um, there is an awful lot going on. But we thought it would be really helpful to have a conversation about uh, some of the plastic uh, issues and specifically focus on the plastics tax, which many people have heard about, but maybe would like to understand a bit more about. So Sky, what is the plastic tax and why is it being introduced? So the plastic tax is actually called the plastic packaging tax. And so it's a proposed tax that would apply to plastic packaging that has less than 30% of recycled content. And uh, the reason we're seeing this now, I would say, is based on a real public and legislative focus on the issue of plastic and particularly the impact of plastic on our environment. I think the Blue Planet documentary uh, is considered to have sparked some of this recently but it's really been a growing area. None of this is you know, new. There's people and organizations and companies that have been doing great work on this for a while, but we've really seen it come to public attention and started to see that changes have to be made to the way we're operating. Yes, I mean, I, I absolutely agree with you, Sky, that um, this, this is a really hot topic, um, certainly with um, consumers. And um, it's, it's, it's one that many people will feel that they have um, a view on and they are trying to uh, make uh, decisions that um, will um, forward the environmental um, situation, etc. And therefore I can see that manufacturers also uh, want to provide options um, for consumers. But the, the plastics tax um, is, is that something that's going to apply to all plastics? Like I mentioned, it's the plastic packaging. So some packaging is made up of plastic and carton or plastic and uh, aluminum. So this would apply in the case where it's a majority of plastic. And like I said, in when there's less than 30% of recycled content. Okay, so yeah, I, 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 you're right to highlight that this is just about packaging because plastic is obviously um in in lots of different things that we see and and, and not necessarily as uh, as as packaging plastic is um, all around us i suppose and uh, it's it's a very um uh, a very good material for lots of different things but we're we're focusing here on the packaging side of things it is um, and that's why we're in a way that's why it's such um, having such a big impact on the environment and there's so much of it is because it is such a useful material and we found so many good ways to use it really. Yeah, yeah. I, I've heard many people say that it's almost been a, yeah, a victim of its own success because it mm. uh, tends to be quite light, It's uh, especially when oil prices are low, which is its raw material, it's highly affordable and, um, and you can make it into lots of shapes and colours and various other things. So it is, um, what's that phrase? Some people use plastic fantastic, although a lot of people don't think it's plastic fantastic. Hence the reason we're having this conversation. Um, who will pay this tax? So that's a good question too. The tax is proposed that it would be paid by the people who convert 
the materials into actual packaging. So in the supply chain, it's quite high up. It's before it's used to actually kind of package anything. It's before it's brought to shelves. It's really at the first point when it is plastic packaging. And then obviously it will go down the supply chain from there. So um, these are packaging producers. And I guess given the amount of packaging of all sorts of things, and we're not just talking about food and drink here, are we? I mean, we're talking about household, household products and, and all, type, all sorts of things. So those manufacturers of the packaging uh, is where the point of payment of the tax would be. But they're likely to pass that on to manufacturers who purchase that that packaging, do we think? And, and could that reach consumers at some point? So the tax is has been proposed in the budget 2020 to apply at a rate of £200 per tonne. Um, so if you think of a bottle of water or a packet of biscuits, it's not very much plastic that you're going to be talking about. Um, but that is a cost, you know, given the amount of plastic that is used nationally. And that is quite a lot of money that will have to come from somewhere. So we do expect it to be passed down the supply chain in, you know, kind of in different ways, like I mentioned, and it goes to a manufacturer who will use it to package a product, to the retailer, to the consumer. So there might not be a very visible effect for any individual product, but as far as a basket of goods, we would expect that price to be passed on. And and as I understand it, part of the intention with this is that it should incentivise the use of some recycled uh, materials and potentially other types of materials, such that um, that companies can avoid paying the tax and therefore um, it it reduces the amount of plastic that's being being used. In in a similar way, I suppose, to what we saw with the... um, the soft drinks tax, where a lot of soft drinks were reformulated so that um, they didn't have to pay the, the tax on the sugar content. Yes, and I think, um, I mean, that's the, the best way to avoid uh, any passing any prices being passed on to consumers is to have the plastic packaging have more than 30% recycled content. The reason that's a particular issue for us as the Food and Drink Federation and representing food and drink manufacturers is that the products that are used to package food and drink are very carefully regulated because it's a question of safety and that's our number one priority. So before any product is used as food packaging or food or drink packaging has to be approved Um, and there's only currently a couple of products that are approved to have recycled content, Um, a couple of plastic materials that are approved to have recycled content. So that's PET and HDPE, which you would see on shelves uh, very commonly as water bottles or milk bottles. So if a product is using any other kind of plastic, they're not currently allowed to use recycled content. They're the ones who will find it most difficult to avoid the tax and would most likely have to pass it on to consumers. So that's a particular concern for us. Um, and because particularly, as you mentioned, Helen, you know, one of the reasons plastic has been so successful is because there's such a wide range and it has so many different properties, ways it can be used, flexibility, rigidity, you know, strength, different things like that. So for different products, different 
types of plastic are best suited. And so there's some interesting, you know, calculations to be made about overall sustainability, looking at other types, you know, changing plastic materials, changing other packaging materials. We want to make sure that we're not rushing from one thing into another that's just going to cause a different type of issue. And obviously our number one priority is the safety of these products and making sure that that's, we're not um, jeopardizing that by using products that are inappropriate. Yeah, so, so a few things come to mind on that. So, um, I mean, I'm very familiar with um, recycling my soft drinks containers and, and various other things into my recycle bins for my curbside collection. Um, but there's quite a lot of things that my council doesn't seem to uh, be able to collect. And I'm presuming those then don't go for recycling and don't become available as recycled at all. And especially that would be some of the, um, the thinner films and these types of things, I think, which I suspect are extremely difficult to um, sort. Um, but then, as you say, because of the um, food contact material um, legislation and the lack of approvals, at the moment, there isn't even any recyclate um, that could be legally included and therefore avoid the, uh, the tax being imposed. So it feels like there's quite a long way for um, manufacturers to go before they're actually in a position where they could avoid it, which is, as we understand it, hurts the tax. <laughs> yes, and that's you've um, you've uh, made my next point for me almost. This um, the question of supply of recyclate is a really interesting one. Like I, like we said, there's been a lot of interest in um, legislation around packaging and plastics as part of the resources and waste strategy. In order for these changes to be implemented successfully, we do need the supporting infrastructure. And that means we need access to the appropriate recyclate at the appropriate quantities at the appropriate times. Um, because we're talking about, you know, manufacturing processes and things that have to be run in a certain way. Issue we've identified as being potentially a concern is how, what position this tax would put domestic producers in compared to um, importers. Because it, this tax would be applied at the, when the plastic packaging is created, when it's in the UK, but it would only be applied much later in the um, manufacturing process. Um, when it's imported for imported products. So we want to make sure that in this process, um, and again, you know, in the, uh, the admirable goals of reducing environmental impact and reducing use of virgin materials, that we're not disadvantaging domestic producers and just letting, um, well, uh, importers wouldn't be subject to the same kinds of restrictions. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've spoken to a number of um, businesses and I'm, I know you have too, and they're, they're really up for the challenge of, of plastic reduction. This is not something that they're um, shying away from at all. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I certainly hope people talk about the efforts they want to put into doing the right thing and making all of this work. And it would be very unfortunate if they then end up paying a tax, which um, uh, is a financial burden on them where other good import products into the UK who are not making any of those efforts and they're not being penalised for it either. So I, I can see that that, that is definitely uh, 
an issue. So, so there's a few things that are are of concern, and, and um, I guess we've we've input to um, uh, HM Treasury who are putting this forward, haven't we, as, as part of their consultation process? We've um, submitted our response to the Treasury's consultation on this plastic packaging tax. We're also very closely involved with government and with other stakeholders on some of the wider legislative changes that are coming up and that I've mentioned. So the review of the extended producer responsibility system, the deposit return scheme, and the consistency in recycling collections. And um, I mean, like you said, I think manufacturers and businesses are very keen to be involved and be doing this right and making the improvements that we can make. Um, I think our priority is making sure that these proposals and systems are working together so that they're working efficiently and so that businesses can contribute to them in meaningful ways and avoid kind of like you mentioned, you know, a system actually, you know, taking away from another one or costing more so that manufacturers can't be um, investing in innovation and research. We want to make sure that we're all growing in the same direction, so to speak, uh, so that we can be as effective as possible for our overall, you know, objective of you know, improving the sustainability. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So there are a few issues with the tax. I think we've uh, uh, uncovered that. Um, and what other legislations can we expect in this area? So um, kind of the ones I've just touched on, there's an overall review of the resources and waste management system. Um, so the extended producer responsibility system looks at how businesses that put materials on the market then contribute to ensuring that they're collected and managed appropriately. Uh, the deposit return scheme is one that um, people listening to this podcast might be most familiar with. It's these reverse vending machines where you would take your um, cans, your you know soft drink cans, and return them for um, a deposit that you pay. Um, And then the question of consistency in recycling collections is looking at what materials are collected because at the moment, um, depending on where you are, where your house is, where your business is, different products are collected by your local authorities. And if we're setting up a system that relies on a consistent supply of recycled material, um, recyclate, for example, we want that supply to be consistent across the country and across the year or years even. Um, So there's quite a bit kind of coming up in the next few years. The plastic tax itself is um, expected to be in effect from April 2022. Uh, So that's coming right up. Wow. I mean, the complexity in all of this is just massive, isn't it? And uh, I'm I'm sure when, um, uh, you know, we all read in the the media about reducing plastic and what a great idea, a tax would be and, and reduction and everything. I suspect that no one really thinks about all of this um, complexity as you know, member of the the public, if you like, and even some in business. I I, I doubt understand uh, the the true depth of of all of these different um, factors that that are playing a part here. And uh, it's um, it, it's just a, a, an amazingly com- complex area, I think. Um, we all know the direction we want to take, but you know, we don't really think about the fact that to use uh, a recycled material, you need to have this um, 
this loop where you're um, you're having to collect it to include the um, recycled material in the next generation and and get it approved. So mm -hmm. you've talked about the, the timings for the tax. April 2022 is not that that long away. Um, what should businesses be doing? I think there's a number of things. There are a lot of resources that are being made available um, by some great organizations like RAP, the UK Plastics Pact. There's a lot going on there in terms of guidance, and there are a lot of you know events. Go get informed, attend, uh, read, find out. Uh, and, you know, if you want a more concentrated channel for that, uh, you could consider joining us at the Food and Drink Federation. Um, we obviously are spending a lot of time and energy looking into these issues, and we are um, working closely with partners up and down the supply chain, up and down the kind of plastic value chain. Um, and we're going to be responding to these next consultations that I mentioned on ERP, DRS, and consistent collections. And we always appreciate member feedback. So if you are a member, make sure that you are involved in our committees and responding to our consultations. Um, and like I said, if you're not, you know, please email us and get in touch and we can uh, do our best to help you. Well, as always, our aim is to try and make the simple problem from a very complex situation. This is clearly a very complex entry. <laughs> Taking us through a few of the key elements, Sky, and um, we'll all be watching with interest over the next uh, year or two to see how this all plays out. Thanks, Alan. Thank you for listening to this FDF podcast. FDF is the voice of the food and drink industry, supporting our members with the expertise to develop, grow and strengthen their business. To learn more about how we can help your business, contact us at members.inquiries at fdf.org.uk. There's no better time to become an FDF member.